Everybody still doing well? Yes. Good, I'm glad not much changed. Thank you. Oh, I'm doing okay. Well, ask me again in about, let's say, 40 minutes. No, I'm just <laughs> You laugh now. Um, so, <laughs> so I was reading about a sports study, like a bunch of scientists got together to do a sports study uh, recently, and they watched thousands and thousands of hours of footage of the New York Jets. Now, at the end of the study, unfortunately, it was inconclusive. They weren't sure if the Jets played a sport or not. <laughs> now, the bright side is it wasn't a total waste because they were able to sell the footage to Jim Harbaugh. So, although I'm going to be honest, I'm for them against Alabama, sorry. Uh, so, I just lost you, that's fine. Um, we are talking about time today. And what a better time to talk about time than when we're all kind of looking at our clocks and waiting for a new year. And everybody here knows that time is our greatest resource. Like it's something that we always want more of, we never feel like we have enough of. Sometimes we feel like it really drags, like say, during a sermon. Sometimes we feel like it goes really fast, like say, during not a sermon. So, um, but I want to look at time and to do that I want to go to Revelation. Uh, as you know, I, I speak about it sometimes, and it's my favorite book in the Bible. Uh, one of the reasons I like to speak about it is because we all have this, most of us have like this kind of fear of revelation. Like, I don't know if I can understand it. It's so, so scary and all this. But it's so cool to look at it because it is the culmination of God's plan for our lives, for the world, for all of time. So I want to go to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. So a, a little brief prequel to this. Uh, at the beginning of this chapter, of chapter 7, there are four angels on the four corners of the earth, just holding back the winds and kind of holding back God's judgment. A couple weeks ago, I talked about Revelation and, and the part where he has this pause, because as scary as it can be, he could have just snapped everything out of existence because he doesn't need time. But he held on so more people would have a chance. He held on because he knew that if he gave us more time, there's hope. And as long as we are alive, there's hope. And so that's how it starts. And then another angel brings a seal uh, of God so that the believers are safe. You've probably heard of the mark of the beast. This is kind of the opposite of that. And so during the great tribulation, there's a seal on the believers' heads, people that come to believe in him afterwards and come to, to, to follow him afterwards. And it's so that they are safe because even in the darkest of times, his protection is there, his love is there, his hope is there. And then it talks a little bit about the 144,000, and there's a lot of things that have been written about, theories about that. There are religions that have been started based on being the 144,000. Uh, it mentions the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, it has a little different uh, recitation of them. Basically, it leaves out the tribe of Dan. So a lot of people think, oh, well, the Antichrist comes from the tribe of Dan, which means don't trust anybody named Dan. But also, <laughs> but also... <laughs> We don't know, but the whole point, I'm going to touch briefly, like a second on the Antichrist. We like to throw that name around at anybody we don't like. That's not how it works. It's going to be somebody who seems to fulfill prophecies, and that's the only point with this Dan thing. 
Uh, but the 144,000, the purpose of them is to evangelize, to bring more believers in, to, to point people to Jesus, to do what we're supposed to do now. And, and so they do that and, and they talk about it. And, and it's so crazy to imagine everything in the whole world falling apart, electricity gone, plumbing probably gone, like everything really smelly and dark. And, and yet these people are evangelizing and bringing more people to Christ every day. And so now we get to what I just read about the great multitude. And it talks about the diversity and how they're from everywhere in the world. And, and it shows us a little bit that there are going to be differences in heaven still. We still stay who we are. But that the main thing, the most important thing is always the same. And that is that salvation comes from God. That salvation comes from Christ. That it's a gift. That, that it is by His grace. And it shows that no matter our differences, we, have, we can have that one thing in common when we choose Him. It brings us all together. It shows us that, that he is the most important thing. That standing before the throne, that's all that will matter. They wave palm branches, which at the time was an emblem of victory. Everybody here kind of knows Palm Sunday. And we've seen the kids run around with palms and uh, wave them. And that's pretty much the extent of what they do with them. But it, it, it's this cool thing and it shows victory. And, and it's all about that. But it's such a complete victory. And it's such a powerful piece. And it shows praising of God and this eternal praising that happens in heaven because of the gift of salvation, because of his grace, not because of anything we do or can do, but because of what he did. Because he loves us, because he's there for us, because he died for us, because he lived for us. Now in today's world, in every day's world, it's hard to imagine everyone together like that. It's hard to imagine putting aside our differences. It's hard to imagine seeing people as just children of God. It's hard to imagine everybody getting along. We're divided by politics. We're divided by sports. We're divided by politics. We're divided by social media. We're divided by politics. We're divided by all of these things in the world. Did you catch a theme there? <laughs> but so many things divide us. And it's more and more happening. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before, but the more we have social media and the internet and the news, we can kind of control this little bubble around our lives and pretend that we only exist in that bubble and nobody else exists. That's what the world wants. They want it to be an us versus them. They want us to see everyone else's opposition. They want us to be at each other's throats, even in the churches. But this scene, Revelation 7, reminds us that the gift of salvation, the sacrifice Jesus made, the thing that, that we talk about at Easter and Christmas was for everyone, for everyone to have that chance to choose him, for everyone to have that chance to be saved. I have a quote uh, from Anne Frank. Um, I've spoke of Anne Frank before because Beatrice really likes her exhibit at the museum. Um, and so if you know anything about Anne Frank, this is from her diary. She wrote a diary while she was hiding in an attic during the Nazi occupation and, and just all of these awful things that we know from the World War II era. And she said, in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. This isn't just like somebody, some celebrity or athlete saying this after a game or something. This is somebody whose life is literally on the line every minute of her day. And if you've read the diary, you know that anytime there was a noise outside, they would just cower and turn off every light and cover every curtain, and they were scared to death. 
of what would happen. There was great evil going on. And yet she still chose to see that good existed. Now whether or not you believe that is true, that there is good in everyone, that that people are good at heart, the important thing is to try to see it. The important thing is to know that everyone has the same chance for redemption, the same chance for salvation. Everyone has a chance to be a part of the great multitude of Revelation 7. They have a chance to see him, to worship him, to be with him. So many have accepted him. So many haven't. They've turned away. There are obviously some people who won't accept him. Some people that no matter what we say or do, they just won't listen to us. They won't care and it happens. Some because they're hard-headed. Some because of anger or bitterness or something from their past. But some because of us. Because we get caught up in the divisions and we get caught up in the politics and we get caught up in the strife and the turmoil. And we allow it to harden our hearts. And we stop seeing people as people and we start seeing them as them. We start seeing them as the opposition. But we are called to be different. The New Testament uh, scripture that, that Amy read, I chose that. Because it ties in with time a little bit. But also because when he goes to Jesus, he's looking for Jesus to say, dude, you're awesome. Disciples, look at this guy. Like he he has it figured out. And it's not an accident that Jesus asks him the specific commandments that he asks him. They're the ones about treating other people, helping other people. And so he's like, dude, I do that all the time. Apparently they said dude a lot in the Bible. Listen, I I made the wonderful decision to have a lock-in on Friday. And so I have no idea what I'm going to say. But he went away sad. Because he could not give everything to Jesus. And then we look at Esther, which was the other scripture reading. And she wanted to get out of it too. She was scared. But the words that we've heard so often, she was there for just such a time as that. So are we. We are here at this time, in this place, in this world, in this existence. Because we have a chance to show people what revelation looks like, what the multitude looks like, what love looks like. Everyone here has a story. And some, their lives have been marked by tragedy. You could tell us of awful things you've lived through. And I will not diminish any of that. But I feel safe in saying that nothing is worse than what Anne Frank lived through. And yet she still chose to see good. She chose to see people who wanted to kill her as people. Now she died. Sorry to spoil it if you're reading that for class. But her love, her hope did not die. Because it doesn't. You see, I have a friend. That's not the shocking news. But I have a friend who goes to see a lot of movies. No, I do too. But he goes 
expecting negativity, like looking for reasons to criticize it. Not even just DC movies, which are bad, but like every movie he goes to look uh, for, for bad. And so he comes out with this list of things that he doesn't like about them. We see what we look for. If you look at people looking for reasons to not like them, you're going to. If you see people and you look at ways you're different, you're going to find them. We will always find what we look for. But if we choose to look for good, it doesn't mean ignoring the bad. It doesn't mean ignoring everything else. But it means if we choose to look for good, then we will see that. And we will hopefully light a fire to build that. To bring people towards Revelation 7. Going back to verse 11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God. They sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the 24 elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. So it reveals that the multitude here, they died in the great tribulation. They died as martyrs to the faith. They died suffering horrible things. But it shows us that even with that, even with everything falling down, even with death, God's salvation thrives. And as much suffering as they went through, and again, I won't diminish that, they are now forever and always with Him. Feeling no more sorrow, feeling no more pain, feeling only love, only Him. Because they were saved by His grace, saved by His love. They, they saw the example of the 144,000. They saw the example of the Christians who came before them. And maybe it took a lot for them to, to, to get the point, but they still saw it. And they filed that away and eventually it made a difference. Time is said to be our great resource, like I said. We always want more. Soon, many of you will time travel. Because in January, you're going to write checks for January 2023. <laughs> but we deal with things. And especially lately when we have lockdown and COVID and all these things that kind of jumble time together. It's hard to remember when whatever took place. I know that for me, I still look at like the late 90s as yesterday. I, I know how long ago it was. <laughs> I have a quote about that. Not about the 90s. Uh, this is from Albert Einstein. Time is relative. It's only worth depends upon what we do as it is passing. That means that time is seen differently by each of us in different situations. It, it, it's true somewhat that time flies while we're having fun. When you go to King's Island tonight, or whenever time, I guess it closes tonight, but anytime you go to King's Island, like the day seems really short. I guess unless you're a parent. <laughs> but if you're there for fun, like it seems really short. Or when the Bengals are doing well, like the game seems really short. This year, maybe a little longer. 
But it feels when things are going well, when things are fun, it's like, man, time really flies. This vacation just flew by. Winter break flew by. And then the daily work life, it's like, ah, man, this takes forever. Man, is he ever going to stop talking? (laughs) I don't know what to think that that Andy laughed at that. (laughs) I have an illustration for the relativity of time. Now, Einstein proved this through math and science. I'm going to go beyond those things. So I have a picture of what Beatrice looked like. You might not have known I have a niece. This is what she looked like when I came here. She's very little. This is what she looked like when I came here. And I remember so clearly the day she was born and driving down there to see her and hold her. And then I remember this picture and I remember just how little she is. And I would, I would hold her and I would sing, not to you guys, but I would sing to her and sing her to sleep and just kind of play with her. And most of my visits should be asleep. But she was so little. Now for me, from that moment to now, it's basically nothing. Like I haven't changed all that much. I still look mostly the same. I still live in the same place. I'm still here. Like all of those things are kind of the same. And like I said, especially with everything we've gone through, like everything's kind of lumped. And it's like, man, this doesn't seem like any time at all. For her, this is what four and a half years have done. She's 25 now. (laughs) For her, that's her entire life. That's how time is relative. For me, it's nothing. It's happened. For most of us, it's like, yeah, whatever. But for her, everything is in that four and a half years. So time is relative. What do we do with it? How do we use it? What what do we do with it as it's passing? How can we remember that? What does it matter? Speaking of when I was young, a long time ago, I remember an old Nickelback video. Now, I know many of you came to church expecting to talk about Nickelback. (laughs) But uh, in this video, and it stuck with me, and I'm not really a music guy, as I've said, but this video stuck with me. Uh, And in the video, the lead singer, Chad Nickelback, was running around. I don't know who. (laughs) He was running around. And everyone that he saw had like a timer above their heads. And some of them were like 24 years, and some of them were like 50 years, some of them were like a month, like it was different timers for each person. And in the video, he would run up to each one and he would do something good to them. Each of us has that timer. That's why it stuck with me. We have no idea how long we will know the people we know. I don't mean that dark at all, but, but we have this limited time, whether people move or, or, or pass or whatever else happens. Each time we meet someone, each time we spend time with someone, we have no idea when or if we'll see them again. Shouldn't that affect how we treat them? Jesus' ministry for all that he accomplished and for everything that it built was three years. 
And he said, you're going to do greater things than me. Because you're going to have more time. we got to use it. It's not about arguing, and it's not about hating, and it's not about the differences. It is about doing good, helping people, loving people, bringing peace, being like Jesus in that time we have. I've said before, and I'll say again, you may be the only example of Jesus someone sees in their life. And I get the pressure that brings, I do. But it should just be who we are. That doesn't mean you're not going to mess up, because you are. But there is a lot of respect, a lot of love that comes from apologizing, from admitting that you made a mistake, admitting that you're wrong. Now, I've never messed up, but I'm sure other people understand what that's like. You see, we think about time being short with people. And we jump to, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. We just got to love them. And that includes saying, hey, I messed up. Or, hey, you were right. Hey, let's talk. Hey, this is why I'm a Christian. This is who I am. This is who I serve. This is what Jesus means for me. This is our chance, again, not to be dark, not to be scary, but to be hopeful because we have this chance. We don't have to have this chance, but we do have this chance. God saw fit to extend time such that we would have lives here, that we would have a chance to be like him, to show people the way to him, to love. And we may suffer. And I know that when I go through hard times, it's hard. Hence the definition. It's hard to feel loved. And it's hard to see hope. And it's hard to see a future. But I don't give up. Because as long as there is life, there is hope. As long as there is Jesus, there is hope. I'm not special. Everyone can know that. But we have to show them. We have to show them the way. We have to show them who he is. We have to show him what he's done for us. Going back to verse 15 to wrap up the scripture. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Despite everything. After everything. He still brings peace. There is always hope for redemption. There is always hope for peace. There is always a chance for forgiveness. And whether someone is saved as a child or as an adult, whether they come to him late or early. Jesus talked about a parable of the workers in the field. And some started at the beginning of the day and some came at the end. And the beginning of the day, people were like, ah, it's not fair. They get the same money. We don't want things to be fair. But if we focus on the good, 
on the fact that those that came late in the day, they still came. He loves the 99 more than anything in the world. But he seeks the one. We can absolutely be happy and comfortable in church or watching from home. And we can live our lives just worshiping and and praising and doing that. But to truly be like him, we have to love everybody outside these doors too. And we have to show them the love that he's given us, the forgiveness that he's given us, the hope that he has given us. Because you see, he came for everyone. And he died for everyone before they were Christians. He loved everyone, so we have to do the same. Earth is hard. Life is hard. Time. The passage of time is hard. I'm sure when I showed Beatrice up there, some of the parents were like, oh yeah. I get that. All of those things are hard. But we cannot let our hearts be hard. We cannot give in to the us versus them. We cannot give in to hatred. We cannot give in to anger. We cannot give in to any of the world stuff. Because in Revelation 7, in heaven, there is no more sorrow, no more hunger, no more thirst, no more need for shelter. That's far more important than anything election-wise in 2024. Doesn't mean don't care. But in your caring, remember who you serve. In your caring, remember that your example to each person matters. The way you treat, the way you talk, the way you post to each person matters. Who we are matters. So how? How do we do it? Because it's hard because not everybody else is doing it. It'd be easy if everyone did this, and everyone loved us back. I have a final quote. This is from Martin Luther King Jr. And it's one of my favorite quotes. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yelling brings more yelling. Anger brings more anger. Insults bring more insults. Negativity brings more negativity. Hatred brings more hatred. Fighting brings more fighting. And if I stop there, it'd be kind of a sad end. But here's the great deal. Love brings more love. And hope brings more hope. And peace brings more peace. And showing people Jesus brings more of that into the world. If I were able to turn all of the lights off in this room and also outside. A, it would freak out a lot of people. But B, I would then light a small candle and you would see it for miles because even a small light pierces the darkness. Even a small act of love pierces the hate. Even a small act of peace pierces the war. Again, not everybody's going to follow this. And if I could tell you, man, if you go out and do this, they're going to do it back and you're going to get tenfold and it's going to be amazing. We'd be even more packed than we are. Every church would be packed. Everybody would do this. 
But I believe Jesus also said, hey, even the corrupt tax collectors love the people that love them. That's pretty easy. But he challenged us to be more. He challenged us to be like him because guess what? A lot of people hated him. And a lot of people followed him around and shouted insults and a lot of people killed him. But he never stopped loving. He never stopped trying. He never stopped hoping. He never stopped giving us this chance. Do not let 2024 be defined by politics or anger or hatred or division or whatever else we're called to define it by. We can do better. He wouldn't have asked us to do better if we could not do better. We can do better. We can be better. We look at Revelation 7 and the glory of that worship following a life of suffering and we see that there is hope. Now take that hope and cling to it and then go out into the world. Be the light in a world of darkness. Be the love in a world of hate. Be like Jesus. That's all I got.